I need to know everything Who and the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But act like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything Hello and welcome to JK Plus One I am not your host, PTO What's PTO doing? I talked to him this morning We, we filmed like a derby thing today And uh, Andrew Brown was helping us And Andrew Brown was was uh, he, he has this thing where you don't know who Andrew Brown is, you, you will, but but uh, he's our Australian friend. He just makes fun of Pete all the time. So uh, Pete's probably still recovering from that. I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin, and uh, I'm excited for another edition of JK Plus One and, and someone who uh, I was excited to have on to Fergus Galvin, uh, Qatar Racing, Hunter Valley Farm. Um, you've, you've, you've probably seen the name Twitter, heard the name through the connections through Qatar, uh, big consigner, farm breeder, owner, manager, uh, of racing and, and, uh, really a kind of a cool perspective as far as, as all the hats that, that Fergus wears. Um, but before we get to that, I want to thank our friends at Qatar racing, uh, Fergus is, is their U S connect here. Um, for all their support throughout this year with JK plus one and, and, uh, allowing us to, to kind of have some fun episodes and to do some really fun stuff that we're proud of. And we hope that you've enjoyed. Uh, so we want to thank Sheikh Fahad and Qatar racing. If, if you haven't yet, do me a favor, go to your podcast, the purple podcast app and subscribe, follow whatever. Also, quickly hit a hit a comment. You know, put a, a review in there. Hit a rating if you don't mind. Uh, it's helpful for uh, for us to get this out to, to as many people as possible. Share, retweet. We appreciate the interactions that we get on social media through uh, these podcasts, and uh, continue to do so. Um, look, I'm going to just jump right into Fergus here to talk a little bit about uh, all the hats he wears, some of the successes he's had, and we jump off immediately with a very very funny story when we talk about uh, Shaky, and we're not talking about Sheikh Fahad. We're talking about Shaky, Fergus Galvin. Morning, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just hanging out. It's uh, I'm in Saratoga. It's a little bit chilly. But, uh, uh, it's probably better to be in the house than you. You were out at the sales ground the last few days with some rain. You, you told me. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was. I'm not sure. It was Sunday into Monday. I think was the. The car. Actually, I think it was Saturday. We had a really wet day and kind of got pretty cold and, and windy uh, on Monday. And but you know, it's picked back up. Um, it's pretty nice here today. But it is uh, it is January in Kentucky, so we can we we we've come to expect it. Well, uh, you know, obviously we 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 want to talk a lot about uh, we want to talk about Hunter Valley. We want to talk about your relationship with uh, with Qatar and some of the other things that you've done, but. Um, the, the one story that I just thought was too good. I wanted to start with it. Uh, you were letting me know, and, and I want to talk a little bit about how you, you, you got hooked up with Sheikh Fahad and how that all happened. Uh, but there was a, there was a dinner that, that's become <laughs> an infamous dinner that uh, you started to tell me about. I, I, we got to get that story to the people. Uh, as soon yeah, as possible. I, I, I was, I was expecting that a little bit later through the, um, through the interview, but, um, no, it was, um, it was way back when, when we, we just, uh, started our, relationship with Sheikh Fahd and he started coming to Keeneland sales and um you know we weren't in business too long maybe uh five or six years at the time but we we're obviously pretty excited to have this new, new client in tow and uh so he came in one September and uh, with David Redvers and bought a few yearlings and 
then it became a regular fixture. Um, now back then, you know, we weren't as sort on as 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 you know, Sheikh Fad yourself. Uh, he, he's a pretty easy guy to talk to. But you know, back then we were, you know, sort of a little bit uh, on our toes a little bit about him, and and we didn't, uh, you know, we kept things pretty formal. And so, you know, during the sales, we started we started having this dinner. Uh, we have this kind of nice guest house at the farm and uh, we'd host Sheikh Fad and David and some of the Qatar team and some of maybe of our Irish friends that would come over for the sales. And So in the dining room, we have this great big long table and Sheikh Fad would be up on one end and to be David, Adrian, my partner on the farm and myself. And, you know, it'd work its way along down to the end of the table. Um, so it was all pretty formal. We watched our P's and Q's and what have you. And, and uh, so it was a nice catered dinner. Food came out. And, and uh, one of our guests uh, was a, a fellow Irishman, a Corkman with a, a pretty thick Irish accent. Uh, Brendan Holland is his name. And uh, he was down at the very end of the table, um, opposite end to Sheikh Fahad. And, uh, well, the food came out and dinner was served. And uh, he, uh, sorry to backtrack a little bit. So Adrian, my partner, is also very well known as Shaky um, uh, for certain reasons. But uh, he, um, uh, so Brandon needed some salt for his dinner. And uh, in his thick Irish accent, he said, hey, Shaky, pass the salt. And well, Shake Fad didn't know that Adrian's nickname was Shaky. So Without, I mean, batting an eyelid, Sheikh Fad got up, picked up the salt tumbler and walked down to Brandon uh, with the salt. And, well, we were trying to contain ourselves with the laughter, but we thought it wouldn't be appropriate. Uh, it was only after Sheikh Fad left that the whole place just uh, erupted in laughter. It was uh, quite, quite, a funny, uh, quite a funny moment it was. Oh my gosh! The coincidence yeah. that uh, so Shake so we Fod had we had, two, we had two shakies there that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fergus, for those who don't know, you wear you wear a lot of hats. Uh, it seems in 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 racing. For those who who aren't familiar, uh, how would you describe uh, your role in in racing as far as Hunter Valley Farm and Qatar racing and so on and so forth? Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know obviously uh, quite a. Uh, a deep involvement with, with Qatar racing. Um, I run his U.S. racing uh, division. Um, we have horses, um, race horses for the farm as well. Uh, I've raised horses personally. Um, so, it, yeah, I'm kind of scattered around. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're kind of all with the same trainers, more or less. And, you know, it's, it's not maybe as, as difficult as, as you would think. But... Um, yeah, no, there's a few different irons in the fire, but, you know, kind of one sort of common common theme and hopefully fast racehorses and, and they do well. The, the, the one business uh, that, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been to the sale, I've, you know, I've been around the sale with, with, with uh, bloodstock agents, with buyers, with sellers. Um, and, and the one that I haven't really nailed down exactly how it all unfolds is, is, is kind of like the consignment. Where, uh, you know, if you if you go to a sale and, and, and yes, there's there's obviously Phasic or Keeneland will be selling the horse. 
But when you go to look at the horses, there'll be different barns set up with different consignments where the horses are, are kind of uh, with certain groups. I, I related a lot to like a, a real estate agent to a certain extent where like, you know, you put the sign in the yard and they prep the house and they and they're talking and, and, and selling the house and marketing the house. Um, tell me a little bit about the, cons- you know, what, what it is to be a consigner and, 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 and what that, that entails kind of from start to finish. Yeah. Well, so basically, I mean, in our case, I mean, we started off, you know, pretty small, uh, way back when I think it was like 17, 18 years ago, uh, you know, with, you know, small groups of horses. I mean, it, it it's, it takes a long time to get your name established. Uh, trust established with, you know, to buy the buyers, um, and so it's it's a building block process. It, it was for us certainly. Uh, we started off with small numbers. Um, you know, you build up a good rapport with with buyers. I think it's important. They need to be able to trust you if they ask ask you a question about a horse or if there's an issue. Um, you know, repeat customers is extremely important in our game um you know and and you know buyers having confidence to buy office um and you know it kind of all feeds on from that you know the better you do the more people kind of take notice uh of your successes um and, and you know it's kind of a little bit of a snowball effect um you know there's uh we primarily sell probably 50% of horse that we house here at the farm, 50% for uh, probably outside clientele that, you know, send horses into us at the sale. But, you know, it's not just a matter of the horse arriving into the sale and that's the first time you see them. You know, when they're entered, we always try, Adrian and myself, we try and go out and inspect them uh, physically, especially the younger horses, uh, the weanlings and the yearlings. And, you know, we like to, you know, they're entered three months ahead of time. Uh, so you like to go back maybe a little bit closer to the sale, see how they're progressing so that, you know, you know what you can tell people, uh, especially in the case of a yearling, I think more so uh, how much they've developed, even though we haven't had them on our own farm. Uh, it's good to know how they've, they've come along through sales prep and, you know, how they've arrived at the sales ground. Um, so even though, you know, the, we haven't, uh, seen them every day leading up to the sale, which we would our own horses, um, but it's still to have the knowledge that, uh, you know, what they've looked like, you know, in the, in the months leading up is, is I think is, is, is pretty important too. And then when the sale comes around, do you, do you find yourself, you know, uh, you know, answering questions to to prospective buyers um uh, uh, is, is yeah no absolutely i mean you know most you know uh i won't say all prospective buyers will ask you but but quite a few will if they've noticed something or you know if there's a little bit of swelling there if there's you know if the horse maybe isn't moving right or you know they might ask you if it's new or if it's old and um you know, but yeah, quite a few will ask questions, you know, certainly the closer you get to the, the sale and, you know, some will ask basically a rough guide price, you know, as to, you know, buyers be looking at a a yearling and, and they're maybe thinking, well, can I afford them? 
and they'll ask us, well, you know, what kind of price range is he going to be in? He or she going to be in? And that'll kind of, you know, help them decide if they're going to be in the game for the horse or not. Uh, uh, you know, we, we try to, you know, set fairly realistic reserves uh, on most horses where we can keep keep uh, as many buyers in, in play as possible. Uh, that, but that changes from horse to horse. And do you do do you do two year old uh, in training? Don't, sales don't or just... do two year old. No, I think, I think we have enough on our plate without. Uh, we leave those to the uh, the experts down in Ocala. But that, that's that's uh, another another whole different ball game right there. I, uh, I mean, I, I do imagine. go down to the sales. I tried to go down to the the Ocala sales there in the spring, but but no, that's that's um, that's uh, and we leave those to those guys. Uh, so how many will you have at, you know, just like, you know, at, uh, let's say, uh, Keeneland September or how many, how many horses do you think you would have? Well, we roughly, I mean, the last couple of years, give or take, we've done about a hundred, um, at the Keeneland September sale. Um, you know, to split over, uh, five, sometimes six books, but generally five books. So kind of, you know, a group of 20 horses, um, Per day, um, you know, the turnaround is really quick. Uh, you know, you sell basically, we sell every second day. Uh, so, I, there's a little bit more time for the early book. Um, but once you get into book three, you know, if, if we were selling on a Saturday, um, our horses ship in for book four on the same day. So, they've got to be ready to show on Sunday. So, once we finish, that one particular book was switched on to the next book and so on until, until the very end. But it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a long couple of weeks, um, you know, cause you're, you're going from dawn till, you know, sometimes the sales finish seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, it did, they are some long, long hours, uh, September and November. What, what, um, what are some of the, like, uh, what are you usually doing when like, you know, someone comes by to, to inspect a horse? If, uh, uh, it does, if, uh, if a Jacob West or a, you know, a Donato Lani or a, a yeah. come by well, to, to look at one, uh, what are you usually doing during that time? Well, listen, I mean, it's part of our job to try and gauge, um, you know, people's interest in the horse. I mean, that's, that's our job for the owners of the horses we're selling. Um, you know, we don't have, you know, they're, they're, they're big groups of horse, but they're not too big where we can't, either Adrian or myself can't keep tabs on, you know, what's going on in the show rings. And, you know, you kind of make mental notes who's spending that little bit longer uh, inspecting horses. Um, and, you know, as a potential buyer for that, that, that horse, um, and you know, obviously, repeat, repeat showing. You know, we have um, a system which most people do. You know, obviously, when you go to a consignment, you fill out a card, which horses you want to see. That all gets entered into a system for us. Uh, every evening, gets sent out to our owners and obviously to ourselves, so we get an idea. You know, how many inspections each horse has had, how many repeat inspections which are the most sort of important thing as you get closer to the sale time um and then you know you have the vettings that go on so you know our job is to kind of join the dots for 
um, you know, our our clients and kind of fill them in as to who's, uh, you know, most likely to buy the horse. And, you know, we, we set reserves accordingly, uh, depending on the interest and, and the veterinary interest uh, on, on the particular horse. How did uh, Hunter Valley? How did that come about? I, I I heard it was a it was. I think Jake said something about you guys came over with eleven dollars or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, so basically, Hunter Valley consists of uh, there's Adrian Regan, myself, who are, you know, we kind of do the day to day, running and managing up the farm. Our two partners in Chicago, two Irish guys, John Wade and Tony Haggerty. They have a construction company up there, but, you know, they have a, a great love of horses and love coming down for racing. And um, But, you know, way back uh, when we started, uh, and I think it was about 18 years ago, it was, a, I think, an after midnight um, idea um, somewhere in McCarthy's Irish Bar. And uh, we were, I was working at Ashford at the time, Adrian was at a farm called Crescent Hill Farm, a boarding farm, which is actually pretty close to where we are here now. And uh, John and Tony used to come in just, you know, because they loved, you know, the whole Irish community down here and anything, you know, to a sales on to be down. And, uh, but yeah, I think it got concocted sort of in the wee hours of the morning uh, after maybe several butt lights and, uh, uh we ran we were kind of running with the idea and then the next morning we were trying to retrace our steps and and did was everybody we started calling each other are we all serious about this and, um and we were so well the wheels got in motion and i'd say i think we contacted um i think it was bill justice here and i think within about four or five days later uh or pretty soon thereafter, we, we we came across Hunter Valley here, and maybe a couple of weeks after that, we had it signed and sealed. Wow, that, that, yeah. that's pretty quick. That's yeah, quick. yeah, um, it, it it did, it did, it happened really quick. Where where in the in in chronological order was that with where you got hooked up with Sheikh Fahad and 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 uh, Qatar Racing? Uh, you know, it would have been a number of years later. Um, and I want to, I mean, I want to say, you know, probably four or five, six years later, um, it was David Redvers, uh, his manager in England, he called us up. It was like two weeks before a September sale. He said, I uh, said, I have a new client on board. Uh, he wants to come over and buy some yearlings in September. Um, at this stage, they were just purely to race in in uh in europe and he was asking could we could we quarantine any purchases he bought and we said sure and shake fad arrived on um we met him and so it kind of started there a little bit it wasn't for another maybe three or four years later that he really kind of started um sinking his teeth into u.s racing and that's when you know there was horses bought to stay here um horses would come from Europe to race here. Um and, and that was that was the, the start of the relationship there. I, I reached out to 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 Sheikh Vaha to, to give a story and he, he <laughs> set me up with a pretty good one. He said uh 
He said, uh, ask him about uh, when Kate was pregnant and he oh, rushed, God. he rushed oh, to get this, on the plane. It's always, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that was, um, I, I believe we were coming from a, um, I think we were coming from a Saratoga sale, I believe. And some of the phasey guys were at a connecting airport, I believe, I think it was Detroit, I think. And uh, there was seven or eight of us. And, and Kate was, you know, she was probably due in a couple of months at the time. And we were on a really, we got a de- delayed landing into our connecting airport. We only had like 20, 25 minutes to. So I sprinted. I said, I think Boyd, Boyd Browning was definitely there because I know he made sure everybody knew when I landed back in Lexington what I'd done. Um, but I said, guys, I'll run ahead. I'll stop the plane for everybody if if um, if Kate obviously wasn't going to run. And uh, and boys, sure, yeah, we'll stay with your pregnant wife. That's fine. So I run to the, I managed. I'm huffing and puffing. I get to the gate, and I said. Please, there's five more people, including my pregnant wife. Please do not close the door. And the lady sure, we'll keep the door open. So I go back to the back of the plane, wherever my seat was. And next thing, I hear the announcement, doors are closed. And I can't see any of the group that got on, including Kate. I said, oh, God, I'm not going to hear the end of this. Well, I mean, we took off. I landed in Lexington. And once my phone hit coverage again, exploded i mean there was 50 texts i mean boyd certainly made sure that pretty much 80 percent of the horse population the people in in uh, lexington knew about it and uh yeah i didn't live that down i think it actually might have reached indian charlie as well i didn't live i didn't li- live that down for at least a year i'd say yeah. well, you're trying to do your best to, to hold I, I was i mean I, I that's what i had thought but um it didn't. It didn't have a good look. Let's put it that way. Well, so, most importantly, how, how did how did Kate handle it? Uh, you know, luckily she's pretty understanding with most of those things, and did manage to see the, the funny side of it eventually. I might have spent about a week in the doghouse, but she did eventually. Uh, did eventually uh, forgive me for it. Yeah. Well, uh, another good one that we we got to get to here is. Uh... <laughs> I wish I should. I should have recorded him telling me the story. Oh God! Which would have made it. But Brendan Walsh oh. tells a story uh, about uh, about how how good of a jockey you think you are, oh, and geez. what happened in the uh, in the race where you went three links clear, and, and what oh. happened after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was young, and even sort of before I left to come over. Uh, to Kentucky in my teenage years. I mean, I really fancied myself as a jockey. I mean, uh, but I was the only one that fancied myself as a, as a jockey. Nobody else did. Um, but uh, anyway, well, you know, there's a race started up. There used to be a steeplechase race at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, and the last race of the day, they brought in this new race. It was called the Sportsman's Challenge. Basically, it was an amateur race. I mean, very amateur race that uh, started up. Um, I think the late David Mullins, I think, started it with Bill Wofford. And it was a two-mile flat race uh, for basically, you know, it was kind of like a lot of farm managers rode in it. Uh, 
you know, even sometimes ex-jockeys, Gary Stevens, I think, rode in it one year. But uh, this used to be the highlight of our calendar. And so we all got, you know, there were horses that maybe hadn't run for a year. Um, and some of them weren't even thoroughbreds. Um, but I kind of grasped this opportunity to showcase my talents that I thought I had uh, as a jockey. And, and uh, I think the first year I rode this, um, uh, I think she might have been the only filly in the race. And, of course, we kind of thought we were fit enough to ride, but really two miles. I mean, after the first mile, like you could, you know, arms and legs were given way. I mean, we were of no addition to any horse uh, in the saddle, certainly me. And uh, anyway, I happened to be on this nice filly and she took up the lead. And I mean, about a furlong out, God, my legs got so weak. And, you know, it was a big, this would be a heavily attended uh, uh, race me because it was a big family day. And so she was like six, eight lengths in front. And I'm, I could see the finish line. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. And just about 100 yards before the finish line, my stirrup letter snapped on my left side. So I, I almost went down on her side. I was clinging on for dear life. And I could see the winning post. So I'm like, just give me. 10 more yards and I'm there and I could feel myself sliding off. So I made one big effort to get back into the saddle. Well, that big effort meant I went out over the other side and I basically hit the deck, um, probably about 15 feet from the line. Didn't get there. It was like, I mean, and that was another 12 months worth of abuse. I got from my fellow, my fellow jockeys. I think, I did manage to win it eventually, and then the following year, I think, oh, I think I got run off with, and and uh, the horse ran into a fence, and I came off and I had to be airlifted to the hospital. Um, so I think they cancelled that race because of me. They felt there was a detriment to um, both horse and, and uh, human safety, and and uh, that was the end of that. So. I gracefully hung up my boots after that. What, what, what kind of injury did you have when you had to get airlifted? Uh, you know, I think a pretty bad concussion. I was out cold for about 20 minutes. And uh, um, they didn't know. Uh, I think he stepped on my head, but apparently my skull is a little bit thicker. Uh, and I managed to come through it. But, um, yeah, but there was sort of those my very unsuccessful days in the saddle, I'd say, Jonathan. Wow. Some yeah. of uh, the, the exciting horses that you've been a part uh, a part of. She dares the devil, uh, winning the Kentucky Oaks. It was a it was a weird year, but uh, nonetheless, it's the same trophy. Yeah, it was. It was I mean, it was a very surreal. I remember uh, Kate and myself, obviously, and and Adrian were up there that day, and I remember being up in the, I think it was the third floor. It was obviously COVID year uh, in September, and it just was this. You know, they obviously just had, you know, the connections of the horses and nobody else. And it really felt very, very eerie, um, you know, to be there for a big day like that. And really not much kind of kind of buzz really about the place or atmosphere. Um, but, I mean, the race itself, you know, and after it felt like there was 150,000 people there. I mean, it, it you get that much buzz out of it. And, and uh you know, it was an incredible Oaks, really. Uh, 
I mean, might have been one of the best Oaks run in the last 20 years with, with um, you know, you had Gamine and Swiss Skydiver. Um, but it was a, that was a incredible day, incredible day. What are uh, what are some of the horses, uh, other horses that you've been a part of? You know, like you said, you've you've um, whether you were kind of behind the scenes as an agent working on some deals, or whether it was uh, your name actually on the line. Who who are some of the other horses that really kind of stand out uh, throughout your career? Well, I, I think at the, the very start, you know, when we started the farm up, uh, and he's obviously our kind of our almost to this day is still a, a little bit our flagship horse was was um scott daddy himself um we bought him privately um as a baby and he was the very first purchase we made uh for the farm w- with some partners and he was actually the very first yearling we sold uh he's the very first keeneland yearling we 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 sold under hunter valley um so that kind of really gave us a big lift and, and you know, kind of put our names out there. You know, he was, he was such a, became such a household name, uh, obviously in the breeding shed. And I mean, I know he was a huge loss, uh, you know, that he died so young, but he, he kind of got the ball rolling, so to speak for us. And, and, uh, and then, you know, obviously the race horses came a little bit later, but, but you know, recently Caravel, you know, she's given us uh, some amazing thrills, um, and and uh, you know what she did last year and the early part of this year was, you know, she had an, an amazing career. How do you how, how did you handle that news with Scott Daddy? Um, do you, is it one of those deals like you remember where you were when you got the phone call? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's um, not to be. You know, you kind of build up a, a a thick enough skin after so many years in the business, and you know you learn to accept, um, you know, bad news. But it certainly hit. You know, I mean, uh, you know the that we'd raised him. He was the first horse we sold. Um, you know, of course we we were breeding to him every year, and uh, you know, not just the hole he left in the industry. But yeah, we had some definitely, we had some very close ties to him. And, you know, it did, did definitely affect us for sure. You mentioned Caravelle, uh, which I, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are, they're, you're keeping, right? Could, could... Yeah, she, she's booked to justify. Um, so she, um, you know, she, she, uh, you know, obviously slightly disappointing. She didn't, finish out her year um like we would have hoped but you know looking back on the big days it, it's it, it was an amazing uh journey with her her breeders cup was was you know was just surreal really because you know she wasn't given it really any chance and and uh it was um that was that was an amazing day amazing day yeah, she was she was a ton of fun, and and uh, it's funny with you know I mean you're in the you're you're in the business of of of, of trading horses, so you you know this just as well as anyone. But yeah, that's the one thing about about mares is their their pedigree doesn't have to be they make their own pedigree by you know producing uh, on the racetrack. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, and, and the same could could be said for for um, for she dares the devil as well. I mean, you know, she had a pretty decent pedigree, but. You know, obviously, uh, when she set foot in the track, uh, 
they certainly, if you want to coin phrase out around their pedigrees, but uh, Caravel, I mean, just, but, you know, she had a lot of talent um, from an early stage, a lot of talent, even before we bought her. I know her kind of form dipped in and out a little bit, but, um, you know, I remember even before we bought her, Jake Ballas, um, he had kind of turned my attention a little bit to her. Um, and this is way before she went through the ring, but you know, because there's horses, you know, you try watch racing and you keep up with everything, but there's you know, there's some you miss, and you know, and she was kind of one that was just a little bit sort of under the radar that hadn't really um caught my attention that much. But then once you start delving into her form, you can tell that she was kind of freaky fast, um, which which she was. Yeah, no, she 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 definitely was. She was outstanding. Yeah. Oh, we we we've, we've talked a lot on these airwaves. Uh, um, you know, I actually joked with uh with 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 Sheikh Fahad about uh, ever so mischievous. <laughs> yeah. And and I, yeah. I I don't know if you heard it where I said I mean Fergus is Fergus is who got her beat. I got yeah. him beat the first out. Um, what's going on with him and what's the what's yeah. the plan yeah. with him this year? Yeah, he's so he's on a break now. Um, you know, a little bit disappointing in the cigar mile. Um, kind of got bumped around and track was was a bit messy and you know he's had a he's had a pretty long year and so he's back here at the farm just getting turned out he'll go back to Brad in you know about a month's time he's had a month here already but um, yeah no he's had a great year and Brad has done his team have done a an amazing job to bring him you know I know back early on in the year I mean it was certainly the that he 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 brought his reputation. Um, yeah, I think he was the worst kept secret first time out in in Aqueduct. And he managed to get beaten by by a nose or a head. But you know he was a little bit. He's, he's taken a while to kind of figure racing out, and you know really kind of put his head down and race, which uh, which he kind of I think when he won in Saratoga it was first time that Brad said he really um you know looked professional doing it. So you know he's had he's had a good win at Churchill and won the grade two at um Aqueduct. So we're hoping um he'll have a a big year next year. He'll go back as I said to Brad in a month and uh, hopefully he'll be up there with the tops in the handicap division. Fergus, what is your, you know, throughout a year with, with, with all, like I said, with the different hats you wear, um, what's kind of, what, where are you at the rest of the month? What do you, what's, what's kind of your next big, yeah. big uh, situation and, and kind of how does it progress throughout the year for you and in, in terms of like your busy season? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously on the farm, you know, folding season is just around the corner here, you know, keep about 60 mares here at the farm. So, you know, that'll start off here probably be a week or 10 days and it'll go through um go through you know middle of may end of may um you know i'll have you know probably make a trip down to the pegasus here at the end of the month um there'll be two-year-old sales um you know march and april and uh you know we have two-year-olds down in ocala obviously the next crop getting getting ready so you know try and make a, a trip down to see them with Jake Fod here at some stage um and start coming up with you know plans where they're going and 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 uh 
So it, it's, you know, it just, everything, one month always seemed to, it just leads on, there's, you know, February starts covering mares, um, and, you know, you get into obviously Keeneland, April, go in there quite a bit, so it's, uh, it's, it's, December tends to be the quietest month, I think, in our calendar, after um, you're done with November sale, but you know, really, the rest of the months are, are pretty, generally pretty well occupied, f- filled up on the calendar. How many how many employees do you guys have at, at Hunter Valley? Uh, we have about fourteen here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously, you know, there, the, the I would imagine the foaling season is pretty crazy. I didn't think about that. It's because it's not like you can, it's not like you can schedule an appointment. No, uh, no, no. That's <laughs> I, we wish, we wish, and we wish we could set the hours of foaling, but. Uh, nine times out of ten, uh, voting takes place between uh, 10 p.m. and, and 6 a.m. So um, I'm lucky that Adrian, my partner, uh, does takes care of most of that. I think he kind of takes pity on my household with four kids, and and uh, uh, so he's. But we do a pretty good job, kind of splitting the 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 workload and responsibilities like that. Does someone does there need to be supervision there, or is yeah. it one of those deals where the where like the the crew can kind of handle it? How does that work? No, there's always two. Well, like we'd have a like the, at the falling barn, basically all the mares, you know, about a month out from falling, move into our falling barn, which is just kind of one area where we keep all the mares that are due to fall, and we have a full time uh, night watchman. He comes in at at uh, seven o'clock in the evening. He's there through seven in the morning, and he's the one that uh, he he calls. Well, it's Adrian most of the time uh, um, uh, for the foldings, and uh, you know, obviously, if there's a if there's a, a difficult folding, to call someone that we have, we're lucky we have staff houses here, uh, so we have obviously more more help here at the farm if if something uh, needs an extra pull or or you know. Uh, you get probably one and one or two out of every ten. You'll have some issues with. Inevitably, you get one, sometimes two, distoches um, where they don't make it out of the crop every year. That's that's just unfortunate. The, the law of averages, as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, it's, I, I could only imagine that's. Yeah. Um, that would be a a, a challenging. A challenging portion of it, uh, Fergus. A, a, a big race that uh, you haven't uh, you haven't had a chance to 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 kind of raise a trophy for, or be in the winner's circle for that that might not be the Kentucky Derby or might not be a Breeders' Cup Classic, but just kind of a sneaky race that uh, is kind of a pet race of yours that you really want to win. Yeah, well, I mean, you obviously eliminated the Kentucky Derby, um, but you know, I think uh, you know, and obviously we take the box off for. For the, for the Breeders' Cup um, uh, a couple of years ago at Caraval. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's really any of those great ones on, on the calendar. I mean, I can't say of, of any particular uh, preference. I mean, we've been lucky enough, obviously, it's been in the winner's circle for the Oaks and, and the Breeders' Cup. Uh, the Derby is obviously, you know, it's, 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 it's every horse owner's dream, but obviously there's only one horse every year. Um, but uh, I, I I can't necessarily single single one out uh, that would that's really on the on the bucket list. But 
listen, they all they all carry a lot of weight and, and significance. How hard do you do you try? I guess individually, but also with 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 Sheikh Fahad as well in Qatar racing. How hard do you do you guys try to win the Kentucky Derby? I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel like I see you guys just like going crazy trying to get three year old Colts, but. Uh, well, we, we kind of have, uh, you know, behind the, behind the scenes, so to speak, we inevitably, you know, every probably three year old year, we've gone after uh, a certain number of calls or, or tried to identify something that might be uh, derby caliber. Um, you know, the prices are pretty extreme. It seems like, you know, when you get, especially the closer you get to the derby, um but you know in the last two or three years you know we've we've you know we have turned our attention to buying yearling colts with those types of pedigrees that could potentially um you know i know it's a, it's definitely a big a big dream of sheikh fahad's um uh but he never you know we thought last year maybe ever so mischievous might even though he started late might have possibly been one um, unfortunately, he got sick after his first race, so that you know he'd be very understanding. I mean, he's not the sort of guy that's going to, you know, put a square pe- peg into a round hole. You know, if if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. I mean, there's no, you know, trainer going to be forced into it. Um, he, he'd obviously love to to get there um, uh, with a colt, and you know, we're hopeful over the, you know, we've a couple of three olds this year and and certainly um you know we've a nice group of colts for 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 next year um but it just turned two right now that, you know we're always dreaming uh, i see what you did there always dreaming um yeah <laughs> with uh you know one of the things that's come up a couple times at least over the last week that that i've seen um, with, you know, with, 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 uh, specifically with Mike Rapoli kind of talking about some of the changes that racing needs. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he mentioned that, that, that topic, which is a topic that I'm not overly familiar with, but I wanted to get your perspective on it with the, the limiting of stallions to, to how many mares we're, I know it might be a little bit of a political question, but like, where do you stand in that arena? Do you, do you I, think that that is something we need to look at? I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very hard thing to police, uh, Jonathan. I mean, you know, obviously we have Heisen now policing, uh, you know, our racing industry. Um, you know, it's it's in the jockey club's hands. But I mean, it's it's. I, I mean, personally, I don't have much of an issue with it. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, these, you know, in this day and age of breeding. There is a heavy slant, particularly to, to first season horses, uh, and and that's a lot of times because, you know, commercial breeders, you know, they breed the first season. There's very little risk attached. Um, I mean, I know we do our matings every year, and we always try to get in early to these first season horses because most of the time they're the first ones to fill, um, but. Uh, personally, I don't have a problem with it, and I know people come at it from different uh, and have their different reasons for it. Um, we, you know, we love matching mares up to, you know, a physical. Um, you know, if we have a, a mare that we think needs 
a big stallion or a tall stallion. Uh, you know, it, it numbers that they're going to breed doesn't really come come into it for us. Um, where where whatever suits the mare best is is basically our kind of philosophy. When you say that there's a, a uh, you know, there's no risk with 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 kind of first crop sires, younger sires, first season mm-hmm. sires. Is that because basically there will be no proof of what the horse is? Pretty much, uh, Jonathan. I mean, it, it is the unfortunate part of the marketplace um, that it seems like they either want the really proven stallion uh, or the first season horse where you know like we just got done selling you know maybe 15 20 uh, short yearlings which just are basically wing has just turned yearlings uh pin hookers they don't want to shoulder risk you know on a stallion that say maybe has say first crop two-year-olds this year uh so they will they will see that as a you know well if he doesn't hit and you know, I give say a hundred thousand for this foal, Weanling. Um, bring it back in September, and he's only got five winners. Well, they they could be dead in the water trying to sell it. So, it, it's it's unfortunately a lot of our decisions are made from the marketplace, our 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 breeding decisions, and the first crop is a. First crop stallion is a safe play, and no matter what way you want to slice and dice it, it is a safe play. And I guess there's some there's some upside. Well, I guess there's not any upside there. There's upside. the 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 riskier one would be like the one that have like one one crop, right? Yes, yes. And we don't have any. We, you know, I mean, obviously we have a lot of mares to made up every year, and we we never have any problems. Um, you know, going in on a on a second or third year type stallion you know because a lot of times you will get a reduction on stud fee um or they'll kind of deal a little bit better and it's a roll of the dice um you know if it hits it's it's fantastic and and you know but you know we we try and cover as many bases uh as we can when we're doing our, our 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 matings every year you know horses that are that are, that, you know, especially if we had, say, um, we sold yearlings by a first crop sire last year that we really liked. If you're going to have two-year-olds this year, we, we'd, you know, we wouldn't have any problem going in on that stallion um, and, and and roll the dice and hopefully he hits, you know. What was the thought process? Just kind of let us in behind the scenes a little bit. Um, what was kind of the, the process and the decision with Justify for Caravel? Was it... Uh, just kind of let us know how that all unfolded. I, I, I think, just, you know, you know, she's a very fast uh, turf mare. Justify is a big horse. He's a big horse. Now, sometimes, a lot of times, his, his stock aren't near as big as what he is, which is good because he's he's, he's well over 16, 2, 3. Um, I think he's such a versatile stallion that he's getting him on dirt and turf you know, sprinters, milers, 10 furlong horses. And we just saw with her speed, I mean, her lightning speed that, and and the physical. I mean, you know, she's not, she's about 15-3 Caraval herself. Um, and we thought with just that little bit extra leg on 
justify it would um it physically be a great cross yeah and and, and like i mean i obviously you, you got to see what happens but is is the intent to sell is the intent to uh, race like what do you, uh, do you do you do you not make that decision until you till it you know I, you know i think that's that's something down the road you know a bit further you know that that's the only decision that's been made so far about her is um is just amazing and, and we haven't really looked any further than that to be honest no i i, I completely understand um i completely understand yeah well, well, look, Fergus, you've been you've been busy. You got the you, like you said, you got four kids running around. Uh, Brendan Brendan Walsh wanted me to tell you that uh, you were the original uh, SARM uh, self appointed yeah. racing manager. So you got Absolutely. a lot of you got a lot of business to do. Well, you know, I mean, ironically, and at some stage you're going to see it in 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 uh, the ownership. Obviously, she just turned two, but we've this is a group of us have um, got got together. Um, to buy a yearling, a New York bred yearling, actually last year, and uh, there's just been a company set up, Arms LLC, um, and that's who she'll run under. So uh, you'll be able to watch out for her in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's going to be exciting. Yeah, well, Fergus, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time, uh, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll uh, we'll catch up with you here a little bit, maybe closer to the derby. <laughs> Absolutely, Jonathan. Good talking to you. Thank you, Fergus. I appreciate it. I, the man, I, 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 I don't want to laugh about you falling off that horse, having to get air flighted, but uh, it uh, was a pretty funny story. It was, like I said, it was hilarious listening to Brendan say it because he was really, really, uh, really poking. He said Fergus really fancies himself a good rider. <laughs> you, you talk to him, he'll act like he was, he was the next coming. So it was, uh, it was funny. So we appreciate Fergus taking the time. And uh, one of my favorite stories ever on JK plus one is the, the shaky story. Um, I can just imagine everyone being on eggshells uh, with this new big client and shake Fahad and, and making sure you, 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 you uh, shake Fahad. How you doing? Yes, sir. Uh, nice to see you. And uh, some Irish fella at the end of the table uh, yells out, Hey, shaky past the salt. I can only imagine uh how that all went down but uh so it's fun to laugh at now uh, i'm sure and and uh shake fahad and and uh mark the temple and uh brendan walsh helping with some stories for for this episode want to thank our friends at guitar racing again shake fahad and the team at guitar racing uh thanks for the support for jk plus one and looking forward to uh some fun stuff it sounds like fergus said there's uh some irons in the fire with some nice horses coming up uh for 2024 It'll uh, be an exciting year, and we'll have to wait a while. But uh, selfishly, I'm excited to see what this uh, this offspring of Caravel ends up being. Could be a lot of fun. She was uh, outstanding. Uh, like I said at the top, follow, subscribe, retweet, share, all those good things. We're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep rolling. Got a fun guest next week booked. Um, a little bit off the beaten path, which is something I want to do a little bit here. I, I kind of like the idea. I did it a little bit with Chris Felica but, uh, recently, but the idea of – of, of, of also getting like horse racing adjacent folks that have really interesting stories, but that racing is also a part of, of what they do, but it, maybe it's not the main thing that they do. Um, some have some opportunities to kind of broaden our horizons here a little bit at JK plus one. And next week's guest is one of those types of people. I appreciate the time. Enjoy uh, the wild card weekend for football and uh, we'll see you next week.
I need to know everything Who and the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But act like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws To turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the info you get Is by letting them talk So I'm letting them talk Gotta keep quiet